Hey, I want to welcome everybody back to the 132nd episode of the Behind the Well Show. I'm here with uh, Elias Randall, Roger Abel here uh, for the show again. And I think we're going to kick this show off. We're, we're going to talk about some really important things today, Elias. But Molly included an article about an uh, IRS special agent who earns his stripes as an NFL referee. And I don't remember if we talked about it on the air the other day or... Or maybe it was off air or maybe in the videos that Molly keeps for some day when she wants to blackmail us. <laughs> but we were discussing how you know you have um, a passion for refereeing and you started refereeing a few years ago. So I'll let you talk a little bit about this article and what you think about it. But I, th I think it's pretty interesting. Good way to start the show anyway. Yeah, it is. Um, it's kind of funny. I think Molly put this in here because... I think the comment I made was you were upset with my football schedule. Well, the comment you made spring. was everybody was upset with your football schedule, including your wife. Yeah, and now there's you're in there too. I'm Bob sure other. Molly. I'm sure other people. Um, but yeah, so this is a really nice article. Um, the guy's name's Eugene Hall. He's so he's a special agent um, for the IRS tracking down people cheating on their taxes and then he is also uh he's very fortunate he gets to work uh in the nfl which is obviously the most competitive league you can work in in the highest level of football and he also he's already worked three super bowls which is really good there's a lot of uh nfl officials who may not even ever work a playoff game i think so to be able to work three super bowls i don't know how many people have ever done that as an official but he he's won um, I've after reading it, my first kind of thought about this guy probably has a pretty intense, fast-paced life. You know, he uh, you're working with people cheating on their taxes and working for the IRS, so I'm sure that's not a very lovely conversation when you approach someone about how they cheated taxes, right? Now he's catching cheats in football. Well, right, and then he spends his weekends during the football <laughs> season getting yelled at by coaches and not getting yelled at the whole time, but I'm sure if there's a call that doesn't go someone's way, it's probably pretty similar to dealing with, I don't know. I'd act, I can honestly say I'd be more intimidated to knock on someone's door about, Hey, I think you're cheating on your taxes than to talk to a football coach about a, a judgment in a football game, right? That, that's not that big a deal. It's what happened happened. Yeah, coming and telling somebody that they're caught. That can't feel good. That can't be good. Because so, they're in trouble. How many years have you been officiating? When did uh, you start? 2020. So this year will be my fourth year. So how long did it take this guy to get to Division One football? Um, Not very – well, not very long. See, he was – I think he was working less, like, lower-level games and stuff, but he was a high school varsity official – for two, 2004, 5, and 6, and then he uh, got recruited to work in the Big 12. So are you shooting for the big Division One? Is that the goal? Um, Yeah, yeah, right. I'd like to be a Big 10 official so, if it works out for me. I'm going – then this is why Molly put this on the outline because I'm going to a camp where the Big 10 recruits officials, and then it kind of – there's a conflict with those dates and some work stuff, so I got a little, little pushback on my schedule. Well, and then, and then the summer when we're going to the LPL Focus Conference, you were supposed to be gone too, but I got you out of that one. Yeah, correct. So our 
that's our summer uh, conference where we go over rule changes and and all that. So yeah, I, I called my officiating supervisor and I said, sorry, but uh, the, the big boss trumps you on, on this so one. Larry, so Larry, if you're watching or listening, <laughs> he's really going to San Diego for the conference. But uh, with that said, that yeah, I think that's cool to find out a little bit about what you like to do, Elias. I hope you get to the division one, division one level. Yeah, I do too. So, and then, you know, here's a, if that happens, people can listen to us on the radio they can watch us on youtube and then maybe they can watch me on tv working football games that'd be pretty cool we'll see what happens well spring's in the air hopefully it's about time it's been a long winter but so something else and these have actually been going on for a while but corporate layoffs we're starting to see a lot more layoffs which honestly I, i believe we've expected based upon what the the Fed's doing with interest rates and what they're trying to do to the economy. I don't think Jerome Powell's made it a secret at all that one of the number one things or, you know, economic indicators that he's watching is um, unemployment because we've been at historically low unemployment rates and the wage growth has driven a lot of the inflation that we're seeing. And I really don't, see people stopping spending. I know we talk about this like every other show, but I'm pretty dialed into the housing market. There's nothing for sale. There's yeah, nothing for sale here. There's that's nothing going for sale. There's nothing for sale. Yeah. And you, you start to think about, you know, why that is. Well, people don't have to sell and they're not going to sell their 2.75 or 3% interest rate because today they're not just selling a house. They're selling the lowest interest rate they had of all time to move into something that's like 6%. So I just feel like we're stuck in this glut, but we're starting to see layoffs. And primarily in the tech sector, uh, this is the third straight month that we've lost 25,000 jobs in the tech sector. The finance and insurance industry saw a decline of 10,000 jobs. Um, and, And this is all things that you'd actually expect, Elias, leading into a recession, right? A recession just doesn't happen. The economy slows which a lot of this is due to the large rate hikes we had early and mid last year. Takes time for things to work through the system, but we're clearly starting to see those things slow. And I I believe if your employer is one that you think you might get laid off, I mean, if you're in the tech industry, you should be thinking, what's what's plan B if if we get laid off here? Because the tech industry is the, the number one place we're seeing this slow down, or even banking. Look what's happened to the banking sector. Maybe you're saying, hey, what's the next plan here if I get laid off? And we thought it'd be good today to lay out just some really clear ideas and guidelines so that if you get laid off, you're not just blindsided by it. There's plan B. I know I'm always thinking about what's my plan B, what's not my plan C, and not necessarily with my job because I'm self-employed. But more, I certainly hope you're not thinking about plan B and plan C for the company. None, I but think that's we a, just had, But just the strategic direction, like, okay, if this doesn't work out how I want it, where are we pivoting? You know, and it's probably yeah. more from like a marketing standpoint and logistics standpoint, but I'm never just sitting back on cruise control saying, Hey, things great. Things are great. It's going to be great forever. You know, I think about last year, you know, we're just like every other firm that when the market goes down, our revenues go down. Well, what did we do? We went out and found a way to add enough assets to offset the revenue decline and actually had an up year. 
Yeah, we I'm did sure really there's good. a fair number of firms out there that weren't up last year. I mean, it's tough to be up if you know the market's down. You know, 60, 40 portfolios down, 14, 15%. You got to add a lot of AUM, which we did to offset that. But those are always the things that I'm thinking about. Like, hey, what happens when the next 20% goes down in the market? How do we make sure that, you know, we have all the things in place now and we're not figuring it out? And I think COVID really started to make us think more along that lines, like, if we can't work for 60 days because they shut down everything, what are we going to do? And I think it's made every business transform at some level, but I think you should approach your job the same way. You know, when you're employed, that may not be permanent. You believe it's permanent. And here's why I ask people, here's how I know people think they're never going to lose their job. When I got started in the investment business, I really got started in the insurance business. Like most college graduates, they recruit you out of, college until you're going to be a financial planner and really they're, you know, making you an insurance, making you an insurance salesman. I mean, let's just be honest about how companies recruit the Transamerica's and Mutual of Omaha's Northwest Mutual. I'm not calling them out. Just that's their model is this agency type model. Good, bad or indifferent. It doesn't matter. But you'd ask somebody, hey, you know, what do you have for insurance, life insurance? Well, I have through my work. OK, well, how long are you going to work there? Well, I don't know. So that's your plan for your insurance is you don't really know that we'd always kind of talk to people about it. You can prepare for a potential layoff. So let's lay out, Elias, some of the things we think are important to be prepared for so that you're not blindsided if this happens. Yeah, we, we can do that. And I think the other, I just want to add something on to what you were saying. So I know there's a lot of, cause there's a lot of, um, negative press, I would say negative media about the Federal Reserve and the decisions that they've made. And, you know, there's also a saying in our business, don't fight the Fed. And I, I think some of this points to um, the, the tools that they have to help with monetary policy and the economy. You know, the, it's not like they have an unlimited amount of ways to kind of influence the situation. And the other thing I wanted to point out to the listeners, and I think this, I think this current recession now, something like a, that's an economic crisis is different. I'm just talking about a, a recession, like the one potentially going to happen or we're in whatever, whatever you may think, but it's really a necessary part of running an economy because it gets a lot of the excess out. And I, I think, I don't know how many people could look at kind of the, you know, the bull market for the last 12 years and then how everything kind of peaked in 2021 and all of those things that were going on and like, and even in the technology um, sector of business, just a lot of the excess and the jobs that you know, just people were being hired to do whatever and maybe people didn't even really know. It's, I think it's easy to look and say, yeah, there was a lot of there was just, there was a lot of excess in the economy. It was time to slow down. And, you know, when you get to that point, you have inflation that goes up. And so I, I think one of the ideas I've been thinking about a lot lately is I think some of this is starting to work. It also, it has a lag effect, which is, I feel like Americans in general struggle with things that lag because we're such a very um, fast paced lifestyle 
and we everyone expects results today where these things take time. So I think there is some, I guess, it's not positive when someone loses a job. That's a negative thing for them. But in the big picture of the economy, like the corporate layoffs and the things that are going on, that's actually the direction that we need to happen to fix inflation, unless we all just want to deal with 9% inflation every year. I mean, how quickly would we all not be able to afford our life if that continued to happen? I think there's people already struggling to do it. I, I can't imagine that most people go to the grocery store and feel good about walking out with $300 worth of groceries for their family for the week when they were used to spending 150 or $140 because that's about what it is. Yeah. I mean, I just went out and bought a few items the other day. I'm like, $104. I'm like, man, I got some lettuce and some berries. You know, it just adds up. Everything's really expensive yeah, at the grocery store. $104 and it's like four meals. Maybe. <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, have you bought raspberries recently? They're like seven bucks for a little container. Apples are $15. Like all the healthy stuff's expensive. It's not, and I don't eat chips. Like we don't eat that at our house. You don't eat chips? No. Never? No. Wow. But my wife asked me to buy Doritos because they were making walking tacos for the girls. Ooh, yummy. They're like seven bucks. I go, Doritos are seven dollars? And there's probably less Doritos in the bag. Shrinkflation for insure. Yeah. But so let's let's give every, all the listeners, all the watchers some stuff that they can do to, you know, not assume you're getting laid off, but if you think there's any your company is in peril whatsoever. You want in one of these industries that have been affected. Maybe you should start thinking about these things. And the first thing to do is just get organized. Figure out, okay, I'm running this budget in my house. What do I have to pay? And what can I cut? You know, the grocery store is one of those places that you can spend $300 or you probably can skinny it down to half, depending upon what you're buying. You know, instead of going in and buy, saying, hey, I have to buy the, these organic chicken breasts this week, I'm going to buy the meat item that's on sale. Like, there's ways to cut back. But start to figure out, what do I have to pay? Because, you know, the number one thing is having that emergency fund. But you have to know what you need to pay to get that emergency emergency fund established. You know, if you know your your mortgage and your, you know, obligations every month are three thousand bucks, you better have fifteen or twenty thousand sitting in an emergency fund just to make sure you can meet those obligations and not start racking it up on the visa card that's now nineteen or nineteen or twenty percent interest, or twenty eight in some cases probably. Yeah, right. And cutting back at the grocery store, although it's not fun, it's it is possible. I mean I've I've done it. I've survived on uh eggs and ramen noodles and whole milk before i know i could do it again if i had to you have to take eggs out of that equation because they're not seven bucks i <laughs> i would have to be so destitute for money if, to not buy a carton of eggs that's one of my favorite things you, to yeah eat, you so. do eggs every week uh second thing understand your benefits know what your severance pay is most employers have some type of a severance pay maybe it's one or two weeks also i'd understand hey if i have unused vacation you know, what's that worth? I know my mom's retiring this, this summer and she basically is just taking vacation for the whole month of July because they have to pay it out. So she's getting a whole month worth of pay, just her unused vacation benefit. Does she actually have to like stay employed and use it as PTO or they yeah, just pay that's her? That's a good question. I don't know that. She would because she runs the HR there. 
but I know yeah, she she's, she's gonna be on she's gonna be on the payroll through July. So then she gets that last four hundred one k contribution to her plan. So I mean, know your benefits. The benefits are gonna make a difference if if you do get laid off. You know, and what comes with that is knowing who to contact. Know who your four hundred one k provider is. Know who your HR contact is. Know who the insurance contact is. A lot of companies, if they lay you off, will offer transition assistance. Maybe find out ahead of time. Do we have transition assistance in the case of a layoff? Those are all things that instead of doing it when you're in this really emotional state of mind, which people are, you know, if you're prepared, it'll be easier. And and I'll give you an example. Everybody thinks this is going to be no one. Everybody knows this isn't fun, but they think someone's going to talk to you. Right. And walk you through this. How did Google just lay off their employees? Probably an email. It was email or they just shut your system down. People tried to log in on Monday morning and they couldn't log in. So they called their boss and that's how they found out they were laid off. They didn't tell anybody. It was just my password quit working. Nope. You're laid off. You're not allowed anymore. But think about that. Now you don't. Okay. Let's think about that. The, The person wasn't prepared. Not that we're being prepared to get laid off, but if it could happen, let's let's be ready. They don't have access to any of that information now. They're not letting you, how easy do you think it is to figure out who the HR contact person is at Google? How easy do you think it is to log into all your systems if you don't have a login? You can't log in. You're done. There you go. So off. having a level of preparedness will help everybody kind of get through this. If it happens, and I hope this doesn't happen to anybody, but the sad reality is this is going to continue to happen until the economy slows down. This is exactly what what Jerome Powell and the the Federal Reserve want to happen. Well, and, and it's necessary too. It's just it's it it's kind of just the situation we're in that we have to navigate. It's necessary to get inflation back under control. Another good tip to do, Elias, is have uh, if you do get laid off, probably have an attorney review all of the bailout documents that you get. Um, you know, time of separation, what the severance package is, just to make sure you're getting everything that you're eligible to receive from the employer. You know, there may be, in in some cases, there's actually room to negotiate with these companies, and here's kind of some outside-of-the-box thinking. Maybe have a plan to say, okay, you laid me off. And I'm assuming this is like an amicable, amicable layoff, not, hey, we press the email, you're never coming back. But you work at a reasonable employer that tells you, hey, we're going to do this. Sometimes the employer's trying to unload some of the benefit obligations because it's not just what they're paying you that goes into your compensation. It's the 401k. It's the health insurance. It's the disability. It's the life insurance. It's the, you know, the payroll taxes they have to pay. That's all part of what they're trying to like unwind. But maybe there's a way you could negotiate and become a freelancer for this company. I mean, I know like my dad's retiring from his job at Kirkwood. He's been a professor out there for 30 plus years. Well, he said, hey, I'd like to retire. And they offered him a package to do so. But at the same time, I'd like to come back and be an adjunct professor and just have like three or six credits a semester. And they said, yeah. So instead of him having to completely walk away from this job, which they're clearly trying to get get people out of because they have shrinking enrollment, so they're trying to buy people out, he's able to come back and still do some work at his choosing 
could be the same thing if you get laid off from an employer. Hey, come on back and do some freelance work for us. We still need help. We just need to get out from some of the obligations that we have. You could do that. And there's, um, there probably is some room to negotiate, especially if you had a good relationship with your management and you did a good job and even maybe a small ask, Hey, would you mind letting me stay on a few months, get your benefits a little bit longer, um, maybe get vested in your 401k, not your contributions, but the matching portion of the contributions. And w- what does it hurt to ask if your employer saying, well, you're going to get laid off. Okay. Worst case scenarios, they say no, and you're laid off anyway. Best case scenario is maybe they agree to a couple small things you ask for. And, um, I guess that'd be a good maybe piece of advice in the situation. Start with the small ask and work your way up. So here's another thing that, you know, we failed to talk about. Why are people or why are employers laying people off? It's not that they're bad companies. It has to do with their stock price. Yeah. Because stocks are all priced based upon earnings. Yeah. So so they're they're getting lean because they wanted, they had to, be able to show the shareholders that we can still earn money. Yeah, we still have positive earnings. profit. Yeah. So, but think about that as the economy cools and you have less sales, if you keep your same overhead, your earnings go down. So these employers find ways to cut out benefits, payroll, payroll taxes, health insurance. So to boost up the earnings. So a lot of this is all about share price. Not that these are bad companies. And if you leave, try to leave on a good note because there's a good chance when things get right, they might be calling you back. You could come back. And there, and that's one thing, okay, in business, there is, there's the good and the bad, right? And like, there is a little bit of, there's a side of business that's a little bit ruthless. And sometimes these type of things are going to happen. But I think what we're talking about is the things people can control. Right. You can't control if you're working, working for a corporation that they basically need to lay people off because they have to show that they can still earn a profit and their earnings are what they should be. I think another item on here, start networking and preparing for the hunt of a new job. Update your like do some small exercises, update your resume, clean up your LinkedIn, draft your cover letter. You could make a list of people you used to work for, work with, and just start calling people. Hey, do you know of any opportunities? Right? Because then at that point, you're you're controlling what you can. You can't ultimately you can't control whether you get laid off or continue working. But you you may find a maybe find a better opportunity. Or I think a company that if you left and you continued working, I think if things get good for them and they want to bring you back, they're probably going to view you staying in the game as a positive thing as opposed to, oh, I got laid off, so then I took a year off and didn't do anything. You know, you you kind of got to show, hey, I still want to be a business person. I still want to work in this industry and do all these things. Um, here's the, I, just talking about cleaning up LinkedIn, and then it says if you do post, don't burn any bridges. It's probably a good idea. Don't go, don't go on social media and say, type something that's just permanently going to be there to burn a bridge with, with people, you know. And I think the last part of getting prepared, which is probably the most important is have a plan for what assets you're going to tap if, if you're going to need money. So, Hey, 
asset one should be, this is our emergency fund. That should be the first asset. But let's say it takes six months to find a job, have a plan on what, what where you're going next for money or where's the quick, the quick job we can get, where's the gig job we can get to just fill this gap until we get the job we want. You know, obviously we'd like your retirement accounts to be the last option. Like that's the option of last resort. Yes. But in some cases, you may have to do it. You know, it's better that than, you know, rack up 30,000 on the Amex or Visa and now pay 22% interest. Yeah, you, you know what else? And you just mentioned emergency fund and we've been talking about it a lot, especially the last year. It's kind of ironic. When things were really good, a lot of the questions we were getting were, were about what's the hottest stock? What crypto should I buy? And then when there's a recession on the table, people start asking, what should I have in an emergency fund? Isn't it kind of funny how- What's the best CD rate? Like right. we went from what's the best, should I buy doggy coin? I'm quoting a client here. Yeah. Should I buy doggy coin? So the answer is no, because you don't know how to say it, to what's the best CD rate? And how quickly did that, 12 that months. change? It just changed so fast. 12 months. Well, we just went back to normalcy. Like this is what it should be. Most people with their emergency fund should only be buying cash and cash alternatives. But that was super boring because, you know, remember the joke was, you know, how, how much does the bank pay you to keep your cash there? What do you mean? I'm paying them because it was so low. You felt like after fees, you were probably paying them to keep your money at the bank. Probably. I mean, I didn't even look at interest statements on my bank accounts. Now I'm getting some interest. So with that said, just if you think you're in a place where there's a potential layoff coming and just have a plan like anything else, just sit down, put a plan together, know where you're going to get your money, know what the, the op options are for you, know who your contacts are at that employer to make this transition as easy as possible. Because I promise it's not going to be easy if you get laid off and you don't have a plan. So Elias, this, the next thing I want to talk about is what I would call it's, I think the media has made this very controversial. I don't know how controversial it is. It doesn't cross my mind that much, but ESG investing, who's for it, who's against it and why. And part of this reason it's come to the forefront is, you know, president Biden just vetoed, uh, the Congress's bipartisan joint resolution about ESG and in it involving the framework and basically ERISA retirement plans. And I think for people out there that doesn't know what ESG stands for, it stands for environmental social governance. And it's basically an investing strategy that takes into account the business environment, the social risks associated with those companies. Basically a way to think about this is green investments. They're looking for companies who have board diversity. They're good for the environment. Um, they're good for social aspects. My, my personal philosophy on investing is I, I don't pay attention to that. And whether that's good, doesn't mean that I, I I'm immoral as a person. It just means that when we're investing money for people, our goal is to make money. It's not to make sure we're making friends. I that, could, that's not, agree. I I could not agree is, more with that. ESG is just, Hey, we need to make friends with everybody versus making money. You know, and I, I don't know why we would mandate ESG and ERISA or 401k plans to be part of it. Why, why would we do that? We're forcing people to invest in this? That, that's not going to happen. So, so my question is, 
if an employer has a fiduciary obligation within their retirement plan, but the government forces them to include ESG, how does that meet a fiduciary guideline? It doesn't. It's not going to happen. I, I just... So... It's I, not going to happen. I do agree with you that this this whole topic is just so blown out of proportion because there, there are companies that subscribe to some of the, these factors and they do things and they're successful companies, but it's just like anything else. It shouldn't be, you know, and, and I like what you said about, well, when we're investing money, like our jobs to make money for the families we work for. And I don't think people would be very happy if we just said, Hey, we're only going to implement one strategy. It's all ESG companies. And then the broader markets up 10% and our portfolios are up two or down people that that's not an acceptable experience. And, and I want to level set just so people understand I'm not against it. If it's for a person, if it's important to them, we have ESG strategies. We can that, facilitate, we that. can facilitate yeah. that. So if someone comes in and says, Hey, I am against, and I'll, I'll never forget. There was a company we started using back in 2005 where people could select and deselect assets and sector sectors that they didn't want to have. So if they didn't want to own tobacco or fire, firearms or alcohol, they could say, Hey, I don't want to own that. We don't have that option today. Maybe as, as robust as that was, that company's no longer in business, partly because their returns were massively less than the broad market. But point is, if someone says, hey, this is important, I care about all these ESG factors, we can facilitate that. But in 21 years, here's what I can tell you. I have, I can count on one hand how many clients have said, this is really important to me. And guess what? For each one of those clients, they have an ESG portfolio. But that's also why I don't take it into account when I'm building portfolios for people because most people, this is not of importance to them, but it's importance to the media and the political side of all of this stuff. Yeah. And I, I just don't, I don't see this being something that can be forced on people. And of course it, it, with the news recently, it got people excited. I took, I did take one phone call and of, you know, someone, I can't believe the president's trying to do this. And I go, I just go, look, this isn't this isn't going to happen. You can't force people like I don't you can't force people to invest their money in anything. Ultimately, it's the person's decision what they do with their money. So I don't even see, I don't even understand how this could really become a situation where I mean maybe there'll be a lot more ESG funds offered in 401k plans, but just cuz it's offered doesn't mean you have to participate in that fund. And you know what? I don't see a problem with offering it. Just don't, don't mandate either. that we have to have X percentage in there. If you think about how many op options are in a 401k plan anyway, it's already limited. Yeah. So I, if 20% if of the population or 20% of the investment community wants ESG and ESG only, great, then just have 20% of the funds in the 401k be ESG. But that's not what it'll be. They'll force it all to be ESG. Yeah, see, that's not going to happen. No, because people still want to buy the S&P 500 and the bond index. Like, if you buy the broad market index, it's impossible to be ESG because not every single company in the S&P 500 subscribes to that. 
Right. Do you really, th- yeah. There, and there's not enough investors out there that wouldn't want to own with at least some of their money, just an S and P 500 fund. There's so many people that have that in their portfolio. Well, for most people that don't know what they're doing it's and they're easy. and they're equity investors, right? They're, they're not 80 years old. They don't need income. They're literally just trying to accumulate dollars. They're the 25 year olds getting started or 40 year olds just trying to accumulate. It's a pretty basic option. And a quality option. Yeah, basic and quality. Those are the two things. So, well, Elias, with that said, this is a great show. I, I want to wish you luck on your your foray into Big Ten officiating. I think you're trying to get in the Big Ten, right? Yeah, the, the camp I'm going to, they recruit um, from that camp. You get an opportunity to get evaluated, and they recruit people into their pipeline from there. So, So if there's anybody listening that can help Elias – Get to the Big Ten. Oh, here we go. You can go to btwillshow.com, hit the contact us button, and uh, we'll see if we can't help Elias fulfill his dreams. Hopefully we won't have to replace him if he if he gets in the Big Ten. Uh, there's not enough money in officiating to uh, well, I don't support know. I don't a, know how much money's in no, there. No, so. there's not. You can't support a family off of game fees from officiating. It doesn't work that way. What if you get to the NFL? Um, yeah, I think NFL officials can support a family off their game fees, but you're not going anywhere. They're they're those are guys those are professional officials, so they make a lot more money than the rest of us just hobby us hobby guys doing it on the weekends. With that said, I want to thank everybody for listening. Catch you next time. Securities and advisory services offered through LPL Financial, a registered investment advisor, member FINRA SIPIC. The opinions voiced in this show are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, consult with your attorney, accountant, and financial advisor or tax advisor prior to investing. All performance referenced is historical and is not a guarantee of future results. All indices are unmanaged and cannot be invested into directly. Premier Investments of Iowa Incorporated and LPL Financial do not provide tax advice. Please consult your tax professional.